Hi, thank you for joining me on Holy Spirit Feed. This is Jen Johnson. I can't wait to share what Holy Spirit has been revealing. I'm praying that your spiritual senses will be open to receiving what Holy Spirit has for you. Welcome back to Holy Spirit Feed. Hey, today we're going to continue our series on the seven spirits of God. And today we're going to be talking specifically about the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah 11, 1 through 2, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's our main verse for this series. So the Spirit of the Lord and all of these other spirits rest upon Jesus. He's in us and we're in him. So they rest upon us as well. And the point of this series is to recognize that. These spirits that we are talking about, and just a reminder, these are all Holy Spirit, but it's ways that he manifests himself. These spirits are not limited to what we're going to talk about today. You know, there's a much greater spectrum than what we can cover in today's time. But we're going to look at some ways that practically we can step into flowing in these things in our lives. But they are not just what we talk about today. They are this and many other awesome, out-of-the-box, creative, cool ways that Holy Spirit helps us and others through us. And it's a shame that we have full access to all these things, but we sit around and complain and sometimes we go on about stuff as if we don't have the power to do anything. I mean, I do the same thing. I'm not saying that I don't vent sometimes. I do. I'm preaching to myself here. But my point is, let's cut down on the, this is wrong, that's wrong, I don't know what to do here, and instead start accessing what Jesus paid for us to have. Amen? All right, so it says in Isaiah eleven two, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So this is the first spirit mentioned in that verse, and it seems rather broad. And in some versions, if you actually look at it, you can't see because we're on a podcast, but there's actually a dash right after the Spirit of the Lord. So that kind of makes me think, hmm, maybe there's something a little different about that one. There isn't a dash in all versions. But I did find an image of a menorah as I was studying this, and it sort of helps to explain why potentially this one is different. As I researched, this illustration came up, and it might help some of us who are visual organize it in our minds. All right, so this is an audio-only podcast, obviously, so... You'll have to use your imagination. Just imagine a menorah. And most people, they know what this looks like. They may have seen a picture or even a real menorah at some point in time. But it looks like a lampstand or a candelabra with one main piece in the middle and then three pieces or candle holders on each side. In the image, the center one has the words Spirit of the Lord written on it. And then each of the six side ones had the other six spirits written on them. So this makes sense. And then in our intro to the seven spirits of God, we talked about in Zechariah, in Revelation 4, and it talked about like seven lamps or seven torches even. So this menorah symbolizes, it illustrates that the other spirits sprout off of this main one, the spirit of the Lord. 
And it also shows balance. If you have wisdom, then on the other side of the menorah would be understanding. Okay, and if we worked our way through, if you had spirit of counsel on one side, the other side would be the spirit of might. And then the last one on one side would be the spirit of knowledge, and then the other side would be the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That may help some of you to kind of organize this in your thoughts as you think about it. But like I said, you need balance. The spirit of wisdom is great, but you also need understanding to go with that. And you need counsel when you're using might or strength. When God gives you knowledge, you need to balance that with the fear of the Lord so you don't get a big head. Hopefully this is making sense, even though you can't actually visualize the illustration in the natural. But I know you all have sanctified imaginations that you can use, so that should work. All right, as we talk through this part of the seven spirits, the spirit of the Lord, I want you to realize this is what God has shown me, and it's possible and probable that other people may teach it very differently. But this revelation is what I felt like God wanted me to share. Something the Lord highlighted to me as I was preparing in regards to the spirit of the Lord is his lordship. So when we are walking in the spirit of the Lord, the Lord is Lord. We are not Lord. The people who we allow to judge us and we think their opinions matter, they are not Lord. Our opinion is not Lord. Our schedule is not Lord. He is the Lord, the famous one. When we yield to him in every area of our lives, when he is Lord over all, we bow our knee to him. That's when we are walking in the spirit of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3.17, it says, For the Lord is the spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Some say if you look into the original wording on this, it can be translated where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Now that changes the meaning entirely. But it makes the point of when the Spirit of the Lord rests upon us, He is Lord. One of the aspects of allowing the Spirit to be Lord in our life is agreeing with Him. He is holy. We are holy. That's it. Even when we don't feel like being holy, we are. And there is always a choice, a choice to stay in holiness or act a fool, as they say. Has anybody ever done that? I'm sure not, right? I'll admit, I may have just a few times. So the big point here is we don't get to decide what's holy or what's not. In our actions, in our life choices, we don't choose that. God chooses what's holy and we choose to agree. Not like robots, but like powerful sons and daughters who know that our choice and our choices in life matter. I was listening to... I think it was a podcast or it was something on YouTube and it was Chris Valatin and he was talking about dreams and someone had asked, do dreams expire? And I thought, well, that's a good question. And I don't think about it as dreams expiring as much as I do about prophetic words. For example, you get a prophetic word for someone, God says, hey, give it to them, but you never do. And then you see them a year later and that could be the time for the word or it may have expired, meaning that person may have needed that word in that season, that they needed that extra encouragement, the boldness, maybe to quit a job or to start playing guitar or whatever the Lord was calling them to do. But they missed their moment. The word 
was for a specific time and it passed. During this uh, interview or podcast that I was listening to, Chris Valentin had made the comment, he said there comes a time when inspiration becomes expiration. You know, God inspires you with a word of some sort, direction to do or to pray in a certain way. But if you don't step into it at that time, if you don't allow the Spirit to be Lord in that situation, that's it. You've missed it. Now, will God give you another chance to do something else in the future? Of course. But whatever that thing was, it's gone. And there are consequences to our disobedience. We need to respond to him when he prompts us. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We heard a saying years ago from one of our pastors, and it kind of stuck with me. It was something like, obedience is doing what you're told to do and doing it right away because I love you. I don't know if that was exactly right, but it was something like that. And I would always say that to my kids. Obviously, (laughs) it didn't always work. But it's true. We're not obedient out of force, but out of choice. Out of our choice to make him our Lord because we love him and he loves us. When the Lord gives you a word or a dream for you to act on and you do nothing, that's disobedience. So let's talk a little bit more about holiness. I feel like the Lord has been putting his finger on this in recent months. And it totally relates to his lordship in our lives because he chooses, like we said, he chooses what's holy. And even if we don't like it, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be holy. We are and we agree because he is Lord. If he declares something holy, we declare something holy. We don't choose that stuff. He does. I feel like we're in a time in our culture where sometimes we don't think we have to be obedient to God. We'll just do it later and he'll forgive me. I feel like sometimes that's sort of the attitude, you know, like, oh, he'll give me another chance. And I'm not saying that you aren't saved anymore or God won't forgive mistakes. But the time may pass. The word might expire and you missed it. That's not who we are. We aren't lackadaisical Christians. Lackadaisical is kind of a different word and it means lacking enthusiasm and determination carelessly lazy. Kind of like, oh, whatever, I'll get to it later. I know God said to do that, but you know, he's patient. He'll wait for me. A lackadaisical Christian, like that's a total oxymoron because Christ is in us and he was never lackadaisical about anything. He says, you're trying to stop me from doing my father's business? Uh Uh-uh. No way. Get behind me, Satan. If you're following Jesus, you will act. You'll look like him. He's not a put-it-off-till-tomorrow kind of God. Yes, he is patient, but he knows his season. Jesus knew his time, and nothing could keep him from his purpose. What we're talking about today is stewardship. This is lordship. Saying he's right, and I will do it. Like, he has decided this, and I will yield to him with myself and all my resources, because I want to encounter him in everything I do. What he says is holy, I say is holy. A.W. Tozier said, God is looking for men and women in whom his holiness is safe. 
He wants to take us into holiness, and that's where he transforms us. He forms us into his likeness. He makes us like him to the point that we manifest his spirit, his spirit of the Lord. And finally, I want to talk about the spirit of the Lord in a more experiential way, experiencing his actual spirit resting upon us, even in a tangible way. We actually want this to become our set point. So if you're not familiar with what a set point is, it's the level or point at which a variable psychological state tends to stabilize. And then an example of that would be your body temperature or your weight. Okay, so if anyone out there has listening has ever tried to lose weight, it seems impossible sometimes. Come on. Because your body is used to where it is and it's trying to stay there. It's trying to stay at its set point. It's stable. And why would it want to change? Okay, so we want to get to a point where our set point is flowing in and living out of the seven spirits of God, where that is actually our set point. So if we get off track a bit, then we just get right back on track to our set point of living within and from the seven spirits of God. We always go back to the set point. It's where we are comfortable. It's what we're used to. But we have to do a rewire. It's hard to change your set point, but we are doing it. We are changing our set point to living through and out of the seven spirits of God. Through this series, as we learn, as we encounter God and his seven spirits, we're going to be changing our lives for the better and permanently. So Isaiah 11 two, the verse that we're talking about today again, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So we're talking about experientially experiencing that. The spirit of the Lord, Holy Spirit, his actual being will rest upon him. Remember Simeon in the Bible. In Luke 2, it talks about him. It says there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Let's take a moment and welcome Holy Spirit, like his actual being, to rest upon us. How many know if you do this every day, if you just stop for a moment and you welcome Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit, come, and you even sense him in the smallest tangible way, maybe a touch, maybe you feel a restful spirit fall upon you, or peace, or energy. If you do that each day, it's really the most important thing that you have done or will do all day. That can be the determining factor in a thriving, prosperous life, living from the source of the seven spirits of God. And in regards to encounters with God, they can change you. They can set you free. If you receive a fresh filling, it's awesome. But then you need to manage your heart. You need to manage you in order to stay free, to maintain what God has given you in that encounter. So let's just create a space right now so we can activate this. I'm just going to leave some open air time for a moment. And don't shut the podcast off and think, oh, the message is over. No, the message is still happening. You're about to get something directly from Holy Spirit. His Spirit is about to come. So let's give this some time. If you're driving, you may want to pause and do this later. But before we do that, I do want to just ask you to go ahead and close your eyes. And really allow the Lord to just do whatever he wants to here. Let's not rush through this. Let's not 
push him away if, if he starts to manifest himself. If you feel something, step into it. There's no fear in love. And Holy Spirit always comes in love. He might give you a picture or whatever, but just encounter him, yada him, as we talked about in our last episode. So Holy Spirit, Spirit of the Lord, come rest on us. I trust that each of you encountered God during this time, and there is even more to come. So I'll see you next time as we continue our journey into the seven spirits of God on Holy Spirit Feed. 